Welcome back to Medic Minutes, the pre-hospital podcast series of the BC Emergency Health Services. I'm Dr. Floyd Besser, an emergency physician and medical consultant for the Northern Interior. I'm joined today by BCHS Director of Clinical and Professional Practice, Joe Acker, who recently spent 12 days in Mongolia working with three other experts to learn about the emergency medical services system and make recommendations about opportunities for improvement. He's now back from this adventure and we're able to speak with him about his experience. Thanks, Floyd. It's really my pleasure to be here. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Joe. How did this opportunity in Mongolia ever come about? Oh, that's a great question, Floyd. So there's two fellows at Griffith University in Australia. The paramedic academic's name is Duncan McConnell, and the specialist in emergency services communication is Hamish McLean. And those gentlemen have done two previous visits to Mongolia. Where they've done some medical training and made some recommendations about ways to improve the EMS system. So for this third visit, they were looking for somebody that came from a North American or a cold country like Canada, who had some contemporary experience with a large EMS system. And they also wanted a person from a fire rescue system that did first response. So I came to the team uh, invited by Duncan and Hamish, and then I suggested that a good friend, long-term friend of mine and colleague, Fire Chief Daryl Reed from Vancouver Fire Rescue Services, join us to round out that first responder expertise. How was this trip funded? So the trip was funded by the Mongolian government, the World Health Organization, and Griffith University, which is in Queensland, Australia. The research team of Hamish McLean and Duncan McConnell did a really massive amount of work, uh, not only using their own research accounts, but also planning logistics, getting donations of equipment, and getting the source of funds that uh, could pay for our travel over to Mongolia. I was just lucky that my amazing boss, Dr. John Tallon, our chief medical officer, uh, was willing to give me the time to participate in this opportunity. And uh, the paramedic practice leaders, especially Ole Olson, were able to fill in for me while I was away. What type of things were you doing over there? We had a really exciting and packed agenda. We literally started working as soon as we landed in Mongolia and didn't stop until we headed off to the airport. Now, the first night we were there, we did an ambulance ride along in Ulaanbaatar, which is their capital city, and then uh, headed off to some rural and rural communities uh, to see their emergency departments, the ambulance services, the hospitals, and to do some training with NEMA. Now, NEMA is the National Emergency Management Agency, which is the fire and rescue system in Mongolia. It's actually a branch of the military, which is kind of cool. And uh, we did some patient care training and some vehicle extrication training with them, which uh, they were true professionals, really, really fun people to work with. Uh, and again, I learned a lot and we're, we were able to share a few things with them. Um, one of the highlights was presenting to the Society of Emergency Physicians at National Parliament. Now, emergency medicine is a fairly new specialty in Mongolia, so there's not a whole lot of physicians practicing emergency medicine across the country, but they do get together and meet and talk about important things. And this year, they wanted to hear about EMS in Canada and Australia, and we were able to provide some suggestions about ways they could do things in Mongolia uh, that aligned with international best practices. So really great opportunity to meet the uh, physicians. We met with uh, health authority executives, uh, army and air force officers, uh, provincial, municipal, and federal politicians wanted to speak with us. Uh, We engaged the uh, U.S. Embassy and uh, had some really great conversations with them about uh, some of the work they were doing in Mongolia and some of the opportunities for doing things together in the future. And then, of course, uh, NEMA, the National Emergency Management Agency, we spent a lot of time with uh, their senior officer, too, to um, get across to them the importance of doing medical first responder work in in Mongolia in the same way we do in most, most of North America. 
One of the other highlights was uh, some of the more kind of recreation things we did, which was uh, spending some time at a rural school. And uh, students there were amazingly welcoming to us. Uh, they gave us a traditional welcome when we arrived, which was mare's milk, so horse milk that's presented in a uh, gold bowl. And uh, it it really does taste quite extraordinary in a way that's quite surprising. Um, and then the school gave us a traditional, some dancing and singing and music, uh, very, very exciting. Some arts and crafts that are traditional to Mongolia that they uh, gave us as gifts, uh, which was amazing. And then we got to spend time in their English class, uh, just chatting with them so they can have an opportunity to pr- practice their English and also had lunch with the students again so they could just talk with us about uh, things that were interesting to both of us and give them an opportunity to speak English. And, and they were just delightful, really an amazing group of students that made our trip really, really um, rich. It added a lot of richness to our trip. That sounds a lot different than Canada. What else can you tell us about the Mongolian EMS system? Yeah, drinking mare's milk was certainly a lot different than Canada. But you know what? There's so many things that are the same. The the, ambu- the way the ambulance service works and the hospitals work, it's, it's people that are committed to their profession that are doing the best they can with what they have uh, to take care of people in their community. So it was really, really important to see that and, uh, and to recognize, even though we're a long way away from Canada, things are very similar. But when it comes to ambulance, there are some significant differences. So in Mongolia, the ambulance team is a physician, and generally they're new doctors, new graduates, and uh, waiting to go into their specializations or into their family practice. So they're new graduate doctors and a driver. And the driver doesn't do a whole lot for the patient besides drive the ambulance. So the doctor is really fairly independent in in everything that they do. Uh, The ambulance service is called 103. It's the 103 ambulance service, and that's because the emergency number is 103. And the, the vehicles are, they're small vans uh, that come out of Japan and Korea. Uh, they are old Russian vans that are basically a van body on an old Russian tractor. They have very little equipment in the back. Uh, the driver drives, as I said, and, and doesn't provide any real medical care and almost never leaves the front seat on the call. So they'll pull up in front of the house and the doctor goes in alone or pull up on the scene of a motor vehicle collision and the doctor goes in alone to work with NEMA. Um, so it's very, very interesting. The, the equipment is uh, kind of limited to a small doctor bag that carries most of their drugs and some uh, you know, fairly simple medical gear. And uh, they're, they're doing everything that we would do here in terms of responding to the same types of calls. So in one night shift, we did about 10 calls in eight hours. Uh, two of the calls were cardiac arrest, same as we would see here, some typical medical complaints and a few traumas. Uh, it was really remarkable, though, to see how the doctor could provide definitive care on scene. So we did a, a patient who had been struck by a rock in, in the face and scalp. Uh, and on the side of the road, the physician was able to put in a few sutures, clean the wound really well, bandage it up, give the patient some uh, antibiotics uh, as a prescription. Uh, for the We saw a UTI patient, and again, providing definitive care where we... Uh, saw the patient in, in a GER tent, in a family tent, but after a really comprehensive assessment, the doctor provided the patient with a uh, prescription for some antibiotics, and we were able to get on to the next call. Uh, we even did a, an interesting case in, in a GER tent, which is um, where, where a lot of people, particularly outside of the cities, live, and it was an elderly patient uh, with a very significant stroke. The physician did an assessment by candlelight, very comprehensive assessment. I was really impressed with the, the, the level of assessment. And then had an empathetic uh, 
conversation with the family about uh, palliation and basically taking care of the patient at home instead of going into a facility because the stroke was so profound that there wasn't going to be anything else that could be provided at a facility. So even though they don't have a lot of resources, their training is excellent and the care they're providing their community, uh, we could learn a lot from it. And I think where we're going with our community paramedic uh, programs is really to do more things in the home, which is exactly what I saw these physicians do in Mongolia. So that was pretty cool. So they do have a lot of the basic infrastructure. They have a national phone number, that 103 number I spoke about. Uh, most hospitals, even in the rural areas, have at least one or two ambulances that are staffed with drivers and doctors 24-7. They don't really have a call triage system. Uh, when the calls are made, uh, a doctor in their, their dispatch center answers the calls and then dispatches the ambulances by mobile phone. And the calls are generally sent in the same uh way that they're received or the same order they're received. So if you're a a fall, uh, you get the next ambulance, despite the fact that uh, the call after you might be a major trauma or a chest pain or a cardiac arrest. So they haven't really got to the point where they're doing triage yet on the phone. So that was an opportunity for uh, things that they could do a little bit different. The uh, firefighters and rescue technicians with NEMA, we found them really, really well trained. They're trained for uh, vehicle rescue, water rescue, high angle rescue, firefighting. They have uh, very good equipment and uh, great leadership, good incident command structures. Uh, But up until now, they haven't been providing any patient care at all. So... Uh, and the number of uh, vehicle collisions in Mongolia on the on the streets and towns uh, in the in the highways outside of the city are just extraordinary. There's horrific car crashes, and uh, particularly on the roads uh, up to the the Russian Federation from um, Ulaanbaatar and as the capital city. So the NEMA can get to the scenes really quickly and provide access to patient, uh, but usually it's a it's a solo doctor responding who is responsible for all patient care. So there's definitely an opportunity for improvement there. Uh, the hospitals are strategically located. They're super busy. They're reasonably well equipped with some uh, some exceptions. Uh, we, For example, the team uh, that I was with uh, donated a Physio Control Life Pack uh, 12 to an, a new emergency department, which was the Army Hospital in Ulaanbaatar. And the staff and doctors there were so excited. Some of them even started to cry when we we, prevent, we provided them this, this Life Pack 12 that had all the bells and whistles on it where they could now do end tidal CO2 and 12 lead. Um, up until that point, they had separate patient monitors that could do ECGs, and then they had an AED in the unit. So uh, they were super excited that now they had an opportunity to move into having a full resuscitation program because they had the device that they could do it. So it's kind of cool that we were able to provide something that we think will definitely have um, a long-term patient impact. And as I said, the, the Society of Emergency Medicine is really new. So there's still a lot of training uh, in residence in emergency medicine. And uh, some of the current teachers and department heads have been trained in North America or Europe or Asia. So they've got really great education and they're, and they're expanding very, very quickly. So there's a lot of good things happening there. Uh, give you an example, our, our interpreter, uh, her name was Dr. Sue, and, and she's just an amazing woman. She's the head of internal medicine at the number one hospital, which is the first hospital that was built in, in uh, Ulaanbaatar. Uh, she's a graduate of Harvard with a master's of public health. She did a PhD in Japan, and uh, then she spent basically uh, two weeks with us, uh, taking us to all the parts of the country that she wanted us to see, meeting all kinds of people that she was uh, able to open doors for, and then being our translator. And uh, you know, just some amazing people that are just so dedicated to doing great things in their system. So it's it's a really great starting point to um, to make some really positive change. I think. Well, we're 
some of the recommendations that were made to the government and the health system there? So we're really careful uh, to try and not implement a Canadian or an Australian system on Mongolia. Instead, we really wanted to help support them any way we could uh, so that Mongolia could create a system that meets the needs of Mongolia. And as I said, there's so many passionate, intelligent people there uh, that they're well on their way. And there's only a few things that we can add that could make their system better. So while I went over there, it was sort of a preconceived idea that we could implement paramedic education and bring the paramedic profession to Mongolia. Uh, The fact is that they don't even know what a paramedic is yet. It's not even part of their vocabulary. Nothing translates into paramedic. And their national law actually doesn't allow paramedics to exist. So what we need to do is support the system that they have right now. So I think the easiest and probably most impactful recommendation we can do is is that Mongolian medical first responder program would help a lot so that the drivers could be trained in medical first responder to help the uh, physicians uh, when the ambulances arrive, that the NEMA firefighters and rescue technicians across the country could have some really basic medical training, uh, things like stopping bleeding, opening an airway, keeping a patient warm, basic extrication, and essentially how to support the ambulance doctor. And I think those things would have a really significant impact on patient care. Now, next is to create a uh, curriculum or some training for the ambulance doctors to um, take their current excellent education and their level of uh, knowledge and ability to treat patients and focus on what's different about the pre-hospital environment. What makes paramedics paramedics is our ability to work in all kinds of environments. And we've learned so much uh, about working in those environments that we can really create some training that would make those uh, physicians able to be like paramedics and, and work through resuscitations and major traumas and triage and major incident. So it's um, it's really some very simple things that we could uh, we could help them with to make some huge differences. And I think these training uh, opportunities would be really easy to create. We could send some experts from uh, Canada and Australia or some of our expert educators uh, to train the trainers over there. They've got brilliant people that just need the information. They need to learn from all the things that we've learned from over the last 40 or 50 years of EMS in Canada. And they could take that curriculum and spread it across the country. Now, the last recommendations are probably you know much more long-term because they're more expensive. And as I mentioned earlier, they really need a way to triage the calls that come into their emergency system so that they're dispatching more uh, you know accurately and sending the right resources to the right calls. They also need funding for really basic things like AEDs in the ambulances and basic trauma equipment, the stuff we really take for granted here in Canada. Even the basics like you know safety equipment, whether it's a, a jacket or a high-vis vest to keep the physicians and the drivers safe when they're working out on the roads where there's these massive collisions and, and major traumas. So again, these are not difficult recommendations, uh, that, but I think sometimes it's, it's the simple things that can have a huge difference. This is quite an undertaking, Joe. So what are the next steps for this project? Yeah, you're right. This really is a big undertaking and it is such important work. You know, the people in Mongolia are just super friendly. They're warm and generous, really committed to making their systems better. So I really hope we can continue to work with them uh, going forward. So the next steps are to find some funding. And the leader of this project, Hamish McLean from Griffith University, he's over in Europe right now, actually, uh, meeting with the World Bank and the World Health Organization to see if there's opportunities to provide some funding to implement some of the recommendations that we've made. We also had some uh, positive response from the United States Embassy while we were there in the country uh, to investigate opportunities to provide some funding to the program. 
If we are able to secure funding, I would really love to send some paramedic experts from BCHS to Mongolia in the same way I did to have an opportunity to you know, train the trainer and keep this um, momentum going for this project. It's such an important project, and I think we have so much to offer in terms of our expertise in BC that can really help others. It's really exciting to see the different systems that there are around the world and uh, the potential for collaboration. You're absolutely right. The collaboration is so important, and uh, we've learned a lot here in British. Columbia and like my colleagues in Australia have and it's super important that we share it because we're so lucky so fortunate to have what we have here and uh, I think it's our responsibility to go abroad and share our expertise with others so that they can make their systems better. Thanks again for joining us today Joe. Thanks again Floyd for having me today it was a real pleasure speaking with you. Thanks again for tuning in to Medic Minutes. Stay tuned as we'll soon be releasing some exciting and clinically focused episodes on stroke and cardiac care here in BC. Be safe and see you next time.